Hey everyone, welcome to Blue Features Podcast, Stride, Organizing with Purpose, where we showcase the incredible work and voices of progressive, young, motivated organizers and leaders. Each week we will bring to you their stories from all across the country. These people are working hard to make our world a more free and just place. If you or someone you know might be interested in chatting with us, send us a message on Instagram at Blue Future Now. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the Stride Podcast, a podcast where we highlight the voices of young organizers across this country. My name is Niles, and today I'm joined by Maria. Hey, Maria, how's it going? Hey, Niles, and hi, everyone. I'm so excited to be here, like always. I'm your co-host. Yeah, we have amazing guests today who we're all really excited to talk to. Thank you for having me. Yes, so today we're joined by a very special guest. Uh, She was a a Blue Future Youth Organizer. She's currently a 2022 fellow at Cambridge Reproductive Health Consultants. She's currently based in Thailand. She has a master's in public policy and human development from the United Nations University, Merit in the um, Netherlands. And she's currently working at Common Power. Uh, Christina, uh, very nice to have you. Thank you so much for having me. Just listening to you introduce me just gets me so excited. Um, yeah, it's I've definitely come a long way since I um, since I was uh, did the Spring for Progress and Change with Blue Future. Um, so I'm really excited to come back and talk with you all. Yes, and we are definitely excited to uh, be talking with you. Uh, now you have uh, an incredible amount of unique experiences that I just can't wait to dive into. So let's go ahead and get started, Christina. So, um, you know, what was your upbringing like? I know you grew up in Washington. So, you know, what was it like being a child? And, you know, how did that have an impact on who you are today? Yeah, so I grew up in a pretty small town in Washington state, not DC, but the state, uh, about two hours away from Seattle, um, right across the water from Canada. And um, it was pretty chill. I mean, there isn't like anything from my childhood that stands out to um, that was like, wow, this is a a turning point for me. Because I I honestly, um, when it comes to forming my um, my work in politics now, I didn't even start that until after I graduated from college. So um, yeah, my I don't know, my childhood doesn't really <laughs> inform a lot of the work that I do. Yeah, thank you so much for that answer. My next question for you is throughout your experience, after your childhood and after deciding where to go to college and then, you know, being in college and now a program that you're in, how have these experiences shaped you into what you're doing now and just organizing in general? Um, so for my undergraduate degree, I went to the Evergreen State College in Olympia, Washington, which is a who we could have a whole podcast about this but um that's a very like politically minded progressive liberal arts college like in the middle of the woods um and i was definitely like super passionate about like uh women's rights and um 
like progressive causes uh, when I went into college and I joined the Women's Resource Center and I was like active with them and I was in their play that they put on the vagina monologues. And then, so I started college in 2015. And so I was there when Trump got elected and that was a whole thing. Like campus just exploded. I mean, there was a walkout right after the election day. Like the vibes were all wrong. Um, and at this point, like I am also, I'm a young person. I'm still figuring out what I believe and who I am. And so the, just this chaos was like, it was crazy. So, um, I, I didn't actually start organizing until like after way after that. And I, I'm still trying to make sense of that point in my life. Cause at the time it was just like, I, I don't know what to do. If, if that makes any sense. Thank you for sharing. Sorry, Nels, before you go ahead and ask her on the next question, I just wanted to say that was really inspiring. And as a woman, it energizes me just to hear like, your perspective and where you were in that moment and how that's kind of led you to where you are right now. So yeah, just thank you for sharing that. So Christina, you got your master's in the Netherlands and you studied public policy and human development. Got a compound question for you. What was it like living in the Netherlands and going to school out there? And why did you choose public policy and human development as something to study? So working in politics in the U in the US, um, I'm sure you can understand is very depressing. <laughs> um, and it's very, it's, it's really discouraging um, sometimes. And so I did the that thing that a lot of progressives threatened to do, or a lot of liberals threatened to do and actually leave the country. Um, which, <laughs> I mean, I had visited Europe before. And um, the Netherlands was my favorite country. And I had wanted to go back ever since. And I met a friend of mine who is, um, uh, she's half American, so, uh, and half German. So, and she went to this school. She, so she taught me about it, helped me apply. And otherwise it would have felt like impossible moving across an ocean by myself. But yeah, that's how I ended up there. And I really, really, really enjoyed my time there. Like it was an amazing experience because um, I went to not only a school abroad, but it was a very international environment um, because my I went to the United Nations University, which is a contrary to its name. It's not like a, a proper university. It's like more like a research institute. And there are, I think, 13 United Nations universities in in the world, and they're all in different countries. And I think there are only three that actually grant like degrees, like master's degrees. Um, so that was one of the ones that I went to. Otherwise, it's all just like full-time researchers or PhD fellows. Um, and my faculty was quite small. We, there was only like 140 students and it was extremely diverse. Like there were people that came from all corners of the globe. That is so incredible. And that really sounds like such an amazing experience and a journey that like you'll never forget and that you'll just tell the following generations to come. And I don't know, I just think that's really special that you got the opportunity to do that. So thank you just for sharing that. 
My next question is, what are some of the best lessons you've learned throughout your time organizing? The greatest lesson I've learned is to not underestimate um, the power of networking because I, like I mentioned before, um, I didn't originally go to college for politics. I My first job out of college was in accounting and I was still kind of confused about like what I wanted out of life and what I wanted my career to be. Like I wasn't, I wasn't passionate about, you know, accounting uh, for the casino in my hometown. And, but what clicked for me was during this accounting job, I, it was very monotonous and solitary. So I had a lot of time to like listen to audiobooks and podcasts and stuff. And this was around the time that the U- the 2020 U.S. presidential election was beginning to assemble candidates. And I got super into it. Like I read all the autobiographies from the all the candidates and I followed that election like like sports fans follow a game like I and then I realized that politics is actually what I'm really interested in and so then um, I started volunteering just on the side for Planned Parenthood I started a local chapter in my rural community um, where I've tabled at farmers markets and then I recruited all the other volunteers and I started learning about um, the different bills and the different threats to the work that they do and I was able to communicate that with a general audience and I I felt it was really energizing and I really liked that work and so then I from that I started volunteering with a group that was um, then known as NARAL Pro-Choice Washington now it's just Pro-Choice Washington um, and so I volunteered with them like at the state capitol Uh, the Washington State Legislature for Advocacy Day and stuff, lobbied my representatives. And and then I did did a formal fellowship with them where I worked remotely um, on like spreadsheet stuff, candidate endorsement, background research, stuff like that. And uh, at the end of my fellowship, I actually joined their board of directors, which um, I was their youngest board member by far. I was 23 years old, but I was super proud of that. Like, I I couldn't believe it. Like, I was on the same, like, professional level as, as all these people that I really looked up to. Um, and so from that, I found all these other opportunities, uh, including... Like I worked on a campaign, I and then I ended up becoming deputy campaign manager. Like this was also like at the start of the pandemic, so like I originally started door knocking, but then we couldn't do that anymore. So um, I ended up managing our massive internship program on the campaign, uh, like the virtual internship program. Um, and I worked for Fair Vote Washington as a fellow for them, advocating for electoral reforms, like ranked choice voting. Um, I did the spring for progress and change thing with Blue Future. I, I like I, I helped to found a DSA chapter in my community. Um, oh, oh, and then there was that whole thing where like, oh, 
So the town that my hometown, Squim, um, our, the mayor came out as like a QAnon supporter and that low-key went viral. And then there was this like civil society backlash thing where there was this local group that was founded called the um, Squim Civic and something league something league like the name is slipping me right now but it was basically like i mean this story was on cnn and it was covered in like various magazines and stuff but basically i helped i was the first chair of their elections committee to help actually elect people who were uh qualified leaders to local city council um or like local election positions. So my point is I did all of that just by starting to volunteer, like taking a chance and and volunteering for this, which led to that, which led to this, which built up my resume so that I felt confident in applying to a, a, a very, I would say, prestigious public policy school um, abroad and getting accepted. And then even though I didn't have any like, well, well I guess I did from Evergreen. They kind of, if you're familiar with Evergreen State College, they kind of just pile on everything. So I guess I did learn about political economy technically. Um, it's kind of hard not to, like if you're there during the Trump era, you can't escape it. But I I learned all of that just by like getting involved with the causes that I cared about. Um, and that was that was through networking. Christina, I love to hear how unconventional your journey in politics has been. Just hearing your story, I think is a great lesson for all our young organizers out there. It can be overwhelming, you know, trying to figure out how to get started. But, you know, I really enjoyed hearing you say, you know, you started with what you were interested in. You know, what drew you to this, you found ways to get involved in your case, volunteering, and, and then you made yourself valuable. You were of service, you started to network, and you were continuously looking to gain experience. Um, I think that is, you know, a great way to get involved in politics. Uh, and, you know, currently you're a, a reproductive health consultant doing research in Thailand. Could you uh, talk us through uh, the decision process behind, you know, going to a country like Thailand? Yes, um, I I would love to talk about this. I'm super excited about about my work here and about uh, living in different countries. That's wild. In the past year and a half, I lived on three different continents. Um, oh, by the way, uh, it was the Squim Good Governance League. That was the name of it. <laughs> anyway, Thailand. So how I ended up here I have never been to Asia before. Um, I'd never even, so I live in a city called Chiang Mai now, and I'd never heard of this uh, six months ago, like literally the city I had never heard of. But my my master's thesis supervisor, she, so she's one of the co-principals of Cambridge Reproductive Health Consultants, which is an American nonprofit uh, that's based in um, Cambridge, Massachusetts. And they do like research projects relating to reproductive health all over the world. And they've had, they've had fellows based in Chiang Mai um, on the Thai Burma border for a number of years, ever, um, ever since 2013, I believe. Um, and the idea behind 
the work here is that uh well my my boss my uh, former thesis supervisor who is now my boss um she she has a very niche um expertise she specializes in a like abortion in humanitarian and conflict settings <laughs> and so um the the Thai Burma border is a very interesting case because um there are like okay so Myanmar has had a lot like a long history of internal conflict and a lot of people have fled the country um and a lot of them came to Thailand and so along this country border there are a lot of uh like undocumented folks um Burmese folks uh Karen people who necessarily don't have um very great access to reproductive health care and so I, I was brought here to um, conduct research on the situation of like, um, like, okay, so I just finished collecting data, for instance, on uh, a pharmacy review where I went to a bunch of different pharmacies here and asked about the availability of uh, emergency contraceptives and misoprostol, which is the drug, um, one of the two drugs that are used in medication abortions. Um, and so I'll be drafting the manuscript for that this week, and that will be a, in a published journal, hopefully, that's the idea anyway, in the next few months. So I'm super excited to be published, a published academic. That's that's super exciting. Um, and then I might do some other research, but I'm not sure what that is yet because I'm I will be lo- working with a local group here um, that will put us to work on whatever they need help on. And that's called the Adolescent Reproductive Health Zone. Um, and so they specialize in one, uh, well, different demographic groups. And uh, one, of course, is adolescents. Um, and two is they work with a lot of undocumented people from Myanmar. And so um, I'm super excited uh to to get to work with them and i haven't actually started the work yet but um i think it's really important to like actually work with the locals and and see what they need and bring my expertise where it's needed so yeah yeah i've been really enjoying my time here (laughs) okay thank you so so much for sharing that um i'm listening and i'm taking it all in and i'm just really really thankful to get to hear all these experiences and what you're doing right now it's so incredible. My next question is, what is a piece of advice that you can give to an organizer listening to this podcast right now about how to get involved with something that means a lot to them? And yeah, just any kind of advice that you have to give them. Ooh, well, I, I already mentioned like there are so, so many opportunities to volunteer like in the organizing space and in the nonprofit space they're constantly looking for volunteers and that's a great way to get your foot in the door and like like learn about this uh industry and learn about this type of work uh in a pretty low stakes situation um the other thing is uh there's a there's not one way to organize like if phone banking or door knocking or or whatever like if that's if that gives you too much anxiety to discourage you like there are other things that you can do to contribute to the movement that you care about like 
So with my fellowship, for instance, I have a background in accounting. And so I, I made a scorecard, like a legislator scorecard for them that uh, took like all like their voting history on our priority bills and supported legislation and these things that we considered a priority. Um, and I gave like each legislator in, in the state, in the Washington state legislature, uh, like a, a score based on this. And so it was like all spreadsheet work that I did in from my bedroom, like, you know, so you don't necessarily have to be on the front lines getting yelled at by protesters all the time. Cause that, that when I was thinking early in my career, that really, I was like, how can I have a career in this? Like, it's so depressing. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there's not only one way to organize. That's that's what I would say. <laughs> yes, I completely agree. There's many different ways of organizing. You know, it you know, doesn't look all the same. And yeah, with that, we'll go ahead and take a break and we'll be back shortly. In recent months, we have seen sweeping anti-trans legislation across this country. Right now, the ACLU is tracking 426 bills that attack the rights of LGBTQ plus people in this country. Today, we want to highlight the work of the, Tre the Trevor Project, an organization that is consistently building a safer, more inclusive world for LGBTQ plus youth. They have services online where you can receive 24-hour counseling and chat with a counselor or call a counselor. Their website is the Trevor Project. Org. Please look into donating to the Trevor Project if you are able to, so we can all stand up for our LGBTQ plus community. Hi, everyone. We're back with the Stride podcast with our guest speaker, Christina. Thank you so much for joining us, like always. To my next question for you, Christina, which is, what does the future look like for you? That being said, maybe in the next couple of years, couple of months, in the next five years, 10 years, whatever you kind of want to think about. Think about that and let us know. And like always, we're just so excited for you and we're here for you and any support that we can. But yeah, what is the future look for you? Yeah, I'm I'm super stoked for the future. Um, I don't exactly know what I'm going to be doing, but I have a lot of ideas. I definitely know that I want to travel more and live in more countries. Um, I, so I've lived in the U.S., in the Netherlands, um, and I've visited a lot of places in Europe, in Western Europe while I was living in the Netherlands. Um, I have friends from all over the world now. Um, I, and now I've lived in Thailand. Um, uh, so let's see, <laughs> where do I start? So I'm actually waiting to hear back from an internship in Malaysia. <laughs> so I might actually just hop over to another uh country in Southeast Asia after this. Um, so the place there is, I mentioned earlier that there are about 13 United Nations universities in the world. And one of them is this one in Malaysia that um, does not offer, they don't grant degrees to master's students. They don't, they don't take master's students, but they take um, interns. So I had my alma mater apply for an internship for me. Um, like nominate me for this internship. So I'm waiting to hear back from that. We'll see, but that'd be dope. Um, because they, the, 
um, they're called the United Nations University International Institute for Global Health. And they also have like a gender and health lab. Um, and they do work on like reproductive health, which is my whole thing. So yeah, that'd be super dope. Um, otherwise, plan B is that I would go back to Washington and like work as a session aide for my um, <laughs> my state senator growing up. Shout out to Ken <laughs> to Kevin, Senator Vandaway. Um, and I would be like a session aide for the session uh, for the duration of the legislative session. And because it's always been a dream of mine to work at the state legislature, uh, low key. That's my immediate plans. But after that, honestly, I'm thinking of going back and doing another master's degree. Um, this one in Germany, though, because I found this really interesting program that is at a public policy school, but it's a degree in data science, like from a public policy angle. That would be awesome because um, my first master's degree was only a one year program and we learned like it was a master's of science. And so it was very like statistics and data science heavy, but we learned the program the programming language Stata, which is not very well, like well known. Um, it's not used by like a lot of, in a lot of disciplines, it's mostly used by like the UN and social scientists and where whatever, but you, and you need a license for it and like, it's not open source. And so I would love to learn more programming languages besides that. Um, and then maybe I'll get a PhD eventually. That's that's like my North Star is <laughs> like a PhD in like uh, population health or economics or or whatever. But that's that's down the road. <laughs> Seems like you have a lot of options here, which is great. You know, we love to hear it. You know, maybe going back to school, you know, another master's. I love like the mindset that you have, you know, maybe even getting a PhD. And it's not like you don't already have a master's already. So. Yeah, that's amazing. So next question for you, Christina. You know, sometimes this work can be really heavy and exhausting, especially in conjunction to our lives outside of organizing. So what are some ways that you recenter yourself so that you can be fully present and 100%? Okay, so I like to think I'm good at this because um, I kind of live the digital nomad life a lot because um, a lot of the work that I do is totally remote actually pretty much everything I do, all of my work is remote except for collecting data uh, in the field, which that took like a week. And now I'm just like on my laptop and going to literally a different cafe in Chiang Mai every single day because there are so many awesome cafes here uh, and like affordable food and like the food slaps. Oh my gosh, I have eaten so many coconuts so many mangoes and there's this northern thai dish called cow soy that i had yesterday that i mean i don't like spicy food but that was it was still good <laughs> it's it's very good um anyway what was the question so <laughs> oh and also oh thai massages there's a massage place and like a spa and stuff on every single corner in this city and it's so affordable like it's it's not really like treated like a super luxury thing it's like very accessible here like self-care is super accessible here like it's just part of the culture everybody gets massages all the time <laughs> and it's it's like 250 thai baht which is 
like if you do the conversion, it's maybe like six US dollars for an hour long massage. So I've been doing a lot of those and they give you complimentary tea before and after. So that's how I keep myself grounded, focus on self-care and all of that stuff. That's amazing. So my next question for you is a bit of a deep one, but what would the world look like if it was truly free in your eyes? And you can take some time to maybe think about this, but this is a question that we like to ask towards the end of the podcast, and we'd love to see what your answer is. Um, so <laughs> my whole thing is reproductive rights. That's like what I'm always thinking about. So where my mind goes with that question is I just wish that everybody had accessible and dignified reproductive health care. That's... I. Like that's, that's a starting point for me. Like, cause if you, your body is the only thing that's like truly yours. Like that's, that's the first thing that you can claim is yours is your body. So I feel like you, you are not free unless you don't, uh, unless you have bodily autonomy. So that's, that's what I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I totally agree with you here, Christina. So our last guest um, which uh, just happened to be Maria, uh, left a very thought-provoking thought question for you. And this will be our last question. So Maria asks, if you could give your older self from four years back a piece of advice, what would it be? Um, I would tell her to, um, to, to prioritize myself and, and to not try to please others uh, all the time. Because at Four years ago, I was in uh, quite an unhealthy relationship and I was back in my hometown and I felt like I was never going to leave. And I was kind of like gaslit by this like small community that I was in the, that was like, the world is so scary. You're never going to succeed. You should never take risks. Um, and then, I mean, look how many risks I've taken and it ended up being awesome. So um, I, I would say, oh, also diversify relationships so that you can prevent that from happening because if you only surround yourself in like an echo chamber of like the same people that are saying the same things then that's dangerous so um yeah diversify your relationships and don't second guess yourself so much yeah um i'll reiterate that very good uh words of it words of wisdom i'd say you know, definitely, you know, staying true to yourself. Uh, it seems like, Christina, you're the you're the embodiment of that for us all. I mean, you have some incredible experiences you know, currently in Thailand, you know, looking to get more education, you know, trying new things. Um, I think that's something that we all strive for. And so it's really nice to see, you know, what you've accomplished, you know, thus far. Um, and, you know, being, you know, so young, too. You know, it's just uh, very motivating for sure. Um, and then to your second point of diversifying your relationships, uh, I guess, I, you know, I couldn't agree more. You know, we are the products of who we surround ourselves by. And so, you know, when, you know, we have uh, exposure to diversity, you know, I guess we become uh, more well-rounded individuals. And, and so, yeah, I, yeah, I agree with both of those. Thank you so much for having me. Um, this was really awesome talking with you. Yeah, Christina, I think I can confidently say for myself and uh, Maria, I don't want to speak on your behalf, but 
I think I can confidently say it was a pleasure for both of us uh, to be here with you today. Um, like I said, and like I've been saying throughout this podcast, just like a, a wealth of incredible experiences and, you know, a lot more, you know, that's left in the future. And so, you know, this has been, this has been really nice and, and we appreciate you. So uh, thank you for joining us today. Thanks so much for checking out our episode today. If you would like to follow Christina, you can do so on LinkedIn with Christina Holtrup. Christina spelled with a K and Holtrup spelled H-O-L-T-R-O-P. You can also follow Christina's travel adventures on Instagram at at Christina underscore Maya underscore Holtrup. You can also follow her website, which is Christina Holtrup dot super dot site. S-I-T-E. And some good news. Since the episode was recorded, Christina heard back that she will be able to intern in Malaysia at the United Nations University International Institute for Global Health. We can't wait to see your updates from that experience and have you back on the podcast again. Hey, thank you for tuning in to Blue Future Stride Podcast. If you're interested in politics, progressive movements, and organizing around issues which you care about, check us out. Our website is ourbluefuture.us. You can also follow us on all social media platforms. Our handle is Blue Future Now. Before we go, we'd like to thank our producer, Alexia Klein. She does an amazing job running the show behind the scenes, and none of this is possible without her. If you have any questions about the podcast, you can reach her at Alexia, A-L-E-K-S-I-A, at OurBlueFuture.us. Also, want to send a special shout out to Eli Serverman Lloyd for creating the music in today's podcast. If you're an organizer and would like to share your story, email us at hello at OurBlueFuture.us. That's been another episode of the Stride Podcast. Thanks for listening. See you next time.